0: Joel, Tom Servo, and T Robot can't save us this time. We watched Manos Returns, which means it's time for another Portland at the movies.
1: In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty. All that stands between a city and a disaster. In a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all.
0: Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven and I am joined, as always, by Mark, who is holding a tiny fluffy dog. How are you, Mark? Oh, me
1: and and uh, Mochi here are doing great.
0: Yes, yeah. He, this, this movie, uh oh. Oh, we refired In our world. opening. In it. <laughs> Apt for a movie that is cribbing everything from something that came before. Uh, you now need a, an emotional support animal having seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally. And I've got the most anxious dog in my hand. So even my emotional
0: support animal needs an emotional need support. He's too. to. Uh, and of course, we're joined as always by Brian, the Unipiper kid. How are you, Brian?
2: Hey, Todd. Doing well.
0: Good, good. Well, this movie... I had no idea it existed until you dropped it in our Dropbox a week and a half ago. So take us through the journey of how you, of not only what this is, but what this is from. So I,
1: I, uh, I yes. sent, um, I sent a request to, uh, Tanya Atomic, the director, uh, to, to join us on this podcast, but she, she hasn't responded. She's she's actually pretty accessible. Has been on several shows and everything seems really cool. Okay, she, she <laughs> so. looked like
0: yeah, the director of this, and we'll get into it. But looked like it had quite the filmography of of, oh, yeah. of movies that seemed very exciting to watch. So, uh, but yes, Brian, why don't you, do you know where
2: she? Uh, do you know where she's located? Mark, is she in Seattle?
1: I I don't know. I uh, contacted okay. her over Instagram because her uh, Twitter doesn't allow for direct messaging. <laughs>
2: I, I was thinking that it might be Seattle because uh, her other movies do not look like they're necessarily filmed in Oregon, but I did see some Seattle in there.
1: Mm.
2: Anyways, uh, I'm glad that we will not have the uh, social awkwardness of having to uh, give our hot take on Manos Returns uh, with the uh, director here in attendance. But uh, so this is a film called Manos Returns, which is a kick-started sequel to the 1965 MST3K classic Manos, the Hands of Fate. Um, And uh, boy, uh, yeah, this was like watching Manos, the Hands of Fate without MST3K. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. And what I was shocked to also see is that not only does there seem to be other sequel slash whatever properties there was a, a pitched television show of manos at some point it looked like and it was really yeah. astonishing to
2: see all these things pop up so i i tried piecing that whole timeline together to figure out what was going on so this movie started like i mentioned uh on kickstarter uh which just goes to show that just because you can kickstart something doesn't mean you should (laughs) but uh i i I, at the same time that this movie was uh like getting funded and stuff there was another uh manos project called uh it was a prequel called like the beginning of torgo rise of Torgo, rise of Torgo. yes And I think the reason that that was able to be made is that this movie has always been in the public domain um, because I guess the original director forgot to copyright it or something weird like that. Right. Um, So it's kind of a a free-for-all for for people to do with the characters as they wish. Um, But in this case, I think it really was the, the star of this film and one of the actors from the original film uh gosh i should look up her name since uh she's oh uh, julie no way i
0: haven't wrote to uh J- Where did i write that down? jackie 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 Naaman
2: jones thank you yes jackie Naaman jones um who played uh the little girl of uh the daughter of the co- main couple from the first movie
0: yeah um
2: and and it turns out that her father had played uh the master <laughs> um the, the cult leader yeah. in the original film the
0: guy you think and of with think, the big red robe with the big ha- black hand on each one
2: yeah and then i think her mother played the mother her actual mother in the in the original movie too okay um i think so anyways uh this uh was a definitely like a, a lifelong family affair for um uh Jackie, who uh, her character her name was Debbie. And it looks like that, uh, you know, this was done as sort of a nostalgia grab, um, spearheaded, I think, by uh, um, Jackie herself. I was going to say, because and, here's uh, what
0: I noticed about Julie Naaman jones Not only did I notice that she must be the daughter of of the master. And then eventually I realized she was the daughter in the original movie. But she is also... Julie Naiman is uh, acts in this, and is credited for screenplay, producer, production designer, location manager, wardrobe manager, <laughs> prop master, special effects makeup, and catering. So I was like, wow. this is a uh, a labor of love, uh, in the way that a lot of these movies are. So yeah, she seemed very, very, very involved. Uh, with getting yeah. this off the ground and <laughs> actors fed and all of that, so
2: so before we get more into this film, we should talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the the original and its legacy and why it, it is a, a thing that we even were aware of and, and why this film, when I found out it existed, uh, caught my attention so strong the way it did.
0: Yeah, um, well, I'd, I'd actually like to start, Oh, I was going to say, I'd like to start with Mark. Yes. <laughs> As he's <laughs> stepping out of the room to go get another <laughs> tiny dog delivered. Um, well, I was obviously uh, a child of the 80s and 90s. And so I was, uh, MSD3K was one of my favorite shows growing up. My mom hated it because she, when she would walk in <laughs> and out of the room, she would just hear people talking back to the screen. And it was just one of the things that totally irritate. And even today she'll talk about that show with the people talking or whatever. Uh-huh. So I was a big fan of that. I'm not like a super fan of um, mystery science theater. And I always, this is probably a heresy to say, but I tend to skip past all the little interstitial things and just get to the movie and stuff like that. And um, But I mean, as a concept, it is like the grandfather of even this podcast and every single right youtube review show i mean red letter media is born out of yep. mystery science theater and so it is and and i mean it, it is great so i i had seen uh this episode at some point and i knew it was the big cultural reference um uh,
2: yeah this is probably one of the more infamous episodes of the entire series yeah yeah so um, i knew
0: about we, it in that context
2: and i think they were really the ones like of course this movie had been around since 1965 but um it was because of mystery science theater 3000 that kind of put this uh movie on the uh cinematic uh you know cultural canon of bad films yeah and at all Um, points
0: i forget i was watching there's some little documentary on youtube about kind of the making of this film or whatever and yeah after the embarrassment that was the premiere of this movie and i forget where it was filmed um it was basically you know hide this forever and nobody ever wants to see it again which probably why would he copyright this he's like this has brought so much turmoil to everyone involved and the actors walking out of the premiere and being made laughing and
2: yeah i i went into details on the backstory of it a long time ago out of curiosity and like what i remember was that the the writer or director was like an insurance salesman or something and he uh thought that he could make easy money by making a low budget movie and so he didn't think it was going to be hard and he just did it is is that kind of accurate
0: uh, that that seems kind of he seemed kind of like an eccentric guy trapped in a 1960s dad you know, America suburbia kind of thing. And it sounded like, you know, he definitely was the rally around, but he was also super hard to work for. And people were walking off and like people yelling at each other. Cause it was all done at like two in the morning and you know, crazy things like that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Just rip the bit. There we go. Oh yes. Mark has re-entered <laughs> with another tiny dog that was different. Oh, That's... this is the one with brittle bones. <gasps> oh, it's wiggling around, and I'm nervous it's going to break all its bones.
1: Both of us are nervous about that. Yes. Okay. We're all good. Okay. She's
2: fine. Sadie. Sadie. Okay. So Hi, Sadie. yeah, before before uh, Mark gets into his thoughts, he needed a second emotional support animal. <laughs> the the <laughs> other one is all out
0: of emotional. So it's just in a heap in the corner right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is spent. <laughs> so yeah mark were, uh, were you well brian i guess you saw this growing up then i imagine were you a fan of mystery yes. science theater growing up as well
2: i i was um i i guess i'm a big fan of the episodes that i like um for me the show you know msd3k is generally very hit and miss but yeah oh boy when it hits like some of my all-time favorites are, are just fantastic like uh, um the Worms episode and there's Columbus, the what is it the Mitchell parts.
0: episode that has the where they keep going on different name like Slabby McBeef face or whatever that whole run <laughs> is so funny they just keep making up names for the hunky hunky main <laughs> character like that it's so good
2: yes I I, I was definitely um uh, a Mike fan uh, I liked Mike better than Joel oh
0: interesting yeah yeah, yeah. so then Mark were you um, I mean you're just old enough. Older enough that it's possible that you were gone by the, you know, off to the Navy or whatever by had, the time this was on. I
1: was out of the Navy in the middle 90s. And so we watched a lot, ironically, like it, it, the church group that I was part of, like, loved the irony of uh, Mystery Science Theater. Oh, so we, we watched uh, a bunch, but I wouldn't call myself like a devotee in right, right. all the episodes. But, but like... The head that wouldn't die is one of my favorites. So, were you Except familiar
0: then in general with Manos: The Hands of Fate? Zero. No, okay. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the you. I,
1: so I went in cold into Manos Returns without watching Manos: no, The Hands of Fate. Okay. Good. No, good. No good. I was nothing.
0: I was interested at that perspective. Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, uh, quite a roller coaster <laughs> that it takes you on, and, and the uh, uh, Torbald or what's his Torgo. Name? Torgo. Torgo. Yeah. yeah. Torgo and uh and and so i've now watched half of manos the hands of fate via the msd uh, uh, the, the original you know mr science theater 3000 okay and uh and so i was surprised to learn about you know uh torvalds and all the <clears throat> all the things the master and the, all the, yeah the master and and the the old lady who is brushing her hair in the yeah in the new movie is the the wife. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I believe yeah. It, it, is that true, Brian? Because she's That's she's referencing the dog Pepe. Okay. Uh, and she her daughter and you know all the yeah. things and so she's she's suspended in that in that place and and still okay yeah uh, there were there that.
0: were a few really interesting concepts and this movie I did not I watched it only once and I did not take notes because I, it was during my bath time <laughs> <laughs> and so never like usually my bath time flies by and then the water's cold and time to get out or whatever this one felt excruciatingly long <laughs> because I was trying to watch this movie, and I'm like, and I had said I had made a comment before. I'm like, oh, this movie's only an hour. This is already my favorite movie, and it for for so much nothing to happen, for that nothing to still not fill an hour was just. I had to
1: stop after two thirds through about forty minutes in, and just like I, I got to do something else for a little while. <laughs>
0: and it's and and it is almost the perfect. So it'll be interesting if if we explore this director further if if uh, she's done any any other more uh, Portland movies, but it is sort of a genius thing to base your movie on a notoriously terrible movie because then all your mistakes are an homage. you know right. what I mean like right, yeah all the terrible pacing in this movie where things should have been edited to make the dialogue flow better or when someone's staring off in the distance, it's like, well, but that's what they did with the first one. So I don't need to do another pass in the editing bay.
1: Well, they, they see some interesting things in the, uh, in the Kickstarter of what their motivations are
0: Oh, and what they
1: plan on doing and what they plan on not doing. Okay. And so, uh, let me read a couple things to you here. Okay, good. Um, one is, um, just a second. Uh, what we're not doing, we are not trying to make a bad movie. Uh, we, oh. are oh, <laughs> we are not trying to recreate... We're sorry. We are not trying to recreate Manos, The Hands of Fate. The original Manos was a lightning in a jar. Uh, part of the the charm of its... Uh, is the sincerity with which it was made. And we're uh, we're trying to make a good movie. And frankly, we don't find movies... That are bad on purpose to be very entertaining. Huh. Uh, what we are doing, we see Monos Returns as a companion piece to the original Monos. It's a comedic horror film set in uh-huh. the world where Monos and his cult are real and dangerous. And there will be jokes and references to the original film, of course. But our characters take everything that happens to them seriously, and will react accordingly.
0: Interesting. So I I do wonder, even if it's just a nod, that how, I mean, the editing, especially in dialogue scenes, is awful. It's just full-on like the bad movie thing of like one person says something and then they should cut to the other person, but there's like three more seconds of the shot is held. And then it goes to the other character who stands there for a couple seconds and then starts talking. It's like those bits that you trim off to make a cohesive thing to me. Like I felt like they were like, Oh, that's kind of a nod to how bad it was done in the first one. And, but if they're not, no. Oh, again, we're sorry. And I, um, I take umbrage. I take Dolores Umbridge with the comedy slash horror aspect, which I think is also a a CYE move or CYA move.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, just like uh, Tommy was so claimed, you know, that The Room was a, a dark comedy. A, a
0: dark comedy. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I did write down um, yeah, I was, it was just, just bad um, writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was taking some notes here before we started recording and I, <laughs> I wrote down, this movie has everything by which I mean buxom women in slinky nightgowns, smearing blood all over each other. <laughs> that's about all it has, but that's almost everything. Well,
2: so that's a perfect example of like how I think, why I think this movie is bad, other than the fact that it's trying to make a sequel to a bad movie, you know, if they were taking themselves, I don't think they were taking themselves as seriously as they should have been, because at least in the original, uh, let's take the Brides of the Master, for instance, like they were all in these like elegant uh, sort of Bride of Dracula, uh, see-through negligee gowns. And in in this one, the Brides of, of Manos just looked like they rolled out of bed <laughs> and they were wearing, you know, pajamas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so, yeah.
0: Well, let's set this movie um, up a little bit, maybe.
2: Yeah, so I'll tell you what it's not about. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so one paragraph above what Mark started reading from the Kickstarter page uh there's another paragraph that says uh that it follows a group of young would-be filmmakers who learn their favorite movie manos the hands of fate is based on a true story they set out to visit the site of the events that inspired the original and of course they find more than they bargained for that is not the film we watch. wow (laughs) that's
0: very blair witch yeah
1: that kind of would have been interesting
0: yeah i wonder if they just had to trash that concept for whatever reason Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
2: It, or I'm wondering if if the most of the script they kept, but they just took that element out. Because at the beginning, we joined this uh, group of characters. Oddly pulled uh, as off they are by searching the side of the road. <laughs> pulled off by the yeah. side of the
0: road for no reason to have a dialogue. For coming. no
2: reason. And we don't know where they're going. And they're just looking for the Valley Lodge. So I'm wondering if they were you know the filmmakers, but they just removed that sort of wraparound premise.
0: It could be. But that cracked me up, which did... I did think so we yeah, it opens on this, this driving through the woods type thing. And there's this group of four people in the car. And after the credits, the car is just pulled off the side of the road and they're all talking. One of them's cold. The back to the people in the back seat are making out, you know, we're kind of establishing who these people are. They're not stopped for any reason other than to have this conversation. And I was like, kind of good for the filmmakers to know that it was really difficult to capture dialogue properly in moving vehicles. So whenever they had to do that, they just pulled over because then they started driving again. And then a couple minutes later is when they get pulled over by the cops. And so for that first time, they were just stopped for no reason. They weren't lost. They weren't anything. Yeah, well, they were in a
2: convertible too. So that would have been, you know, even more tricky to capture dialogue. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Um
2: but why does uh the, so the convertible that they were in was labeled uh two thirty three? Did you notice that with big I did numbers notice that. in the front windshield?
1: I did notice that. Yeah. Was that a reference to anything?
2: You think? I, I don't know. Oh. I, not that I could tell. Oh, I totally missed that. You know, that. maybe it came from someone. It was a. Uh, it was weird because this movie clearly was not trying to take place in the sixties because they were using cell phones. But I do feel like with the car, they were trying to have that. Uh, be a callback to the types of cars they were driving in the first movie. Maybe it was very old and yeah, and convertible. I don't know. Yeah,
0: so they get pulled over by those cops, and then the cops let him let him go, and then they,
2: um, well, let's the the sheriff in this film. So they advertised in the Kickstarter page that this movie uh, starred three and a half of the original cast members. So we, we had Debbie and her mom and the master. And we had the son of the original sheriff playing the sheriff.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, let's talk about that, because the Manos the, um the, Man the Hands of Fate is famous for that guy in the red robe with the black handprints on it. That is Tom Naiman. This movie was made in 2017. Tom Naiman died in 2015.
2: In 2016.
0: Oh 15 I thought maybe I got that wrong but I think he died before this movie was made and he is in it there is footage in it and I couldn't tell it wasn't from the first movie so it looks like at some point they just shot green screen footage or
2: extant footage of
0: Manos to use in
2: you know next so I know I know the I can if you stop talking Todd I can I can fill you in Um, meet me I know what's going on (laughs) Um, and the weed is calming you. me down. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Kickstarter updates, uh, they, they, uh, talked about risks for the project. And one of the risks was Tom's age. And they said, uh, we have already shot all of Tom's scenes knowing that this project has a strong likelihood of moving forward. So that's not a risk. Wow. Oh, okay. That's
0: okay. That's good. Yeah. Cause I knew it was new footage and I was like, I wonder if the Tom name family, like, you know, how Shia LaBeouf did that one thing in front of the green screen so <laughs> that everyone can make memes out of it. I was like, that is a great idea to just film footage <laughs> of something that you can insert dialogue. You can use it somehow. And then they just dole it out for whoever wants to pay yeah, for that. If you're after you dies. For just one role. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's pretty great. Um, I couldn't. So, okay. After they get pulled over, they start driving again and they, I forget if they get lost or they, they notice something that says lodge this way. So they, they go to the Valley end of a road lodge. and they're like, this is too far.
1: It should have been way back there. Let's, let's turn around. And so they do. And after they turn around and go a little bit, they're like, there's a new road here with a new sign. I clearly would have seen this sign. Yeah, I I was looking out the window, too, and I didn't see it either. Uh, yeah, the girl so, with the sweater, yeah. Right. Uh, and so uh, there was the reveal of the Valley Lodge.
0: So they go, and because the car, no, the car didn't break down until after they stopped. They were right. going to look for a direct, Oh No, they needed a bathroom, and they needed a phone, I think, or something. So they stop and come to the church in the wood, or the church the house in the woods to uh ask if they can use their restroom or their phone and out comes torgo
1: all right torgo let's
0: go (laughs) let's go torgo is the character yeah why don't you take torgo brian
2: torgo was the breakout star of (laughs) manos the hands of fate uh from mst3k like Uh, This is one of those characters, kind of like Zymo, where you really don't know what's going on. And they have such a weird, unique (laughs) thing going on. So, in in this case, Torgo is dressed, uh, gosh, kind of like a scarecrow wearing a blazer with a fedora.
0: Yeah, and overalls.
2: Um, And and his uh, legs are like super buffy, beefy... uh, in his, his like quads and then he has little skinny legs under that and he walks kind of with a limp or just kind of and like you can't walk bow legged yeah like you just got and, a um a horse so, so if that's all you know going into this film you're just going to be wondering what's going on with Torgo yeah, the Mark, time what did you,
0: I, I, I'm asking the wrong person Mark <laughs> I, what, what happened to you when you saw Torgo? Torgo T- T-
1: um i was i was shocked to see torgo in the second <laughs> movie like really they did this twice <laughs> so that was really that's confusing. what they double down on yeah, that's, that's what they double down on and so uh yeah so torgo he's the groundskeeper you know guy or so something. when you
0: first saw him what did you think like just he had a deformity or he was a had a like, the, what was your take?
1: The, the, the legs were the most shocking <laughs> part because they're, they're clearly like padded pants, poorly padded pants. <laughs> right. And so he's walking and he's got these gestures kind of, kind of like the guy from men in black, the alien from men in black who wears the skin <laughs> of the other. And so he's, He's contorting and moving around. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like moving around wrongly and, and he, he's doing it like on camera. He's moving actively a lot. Right. Overacting into this, uh, this situation. And, and he's speaking a little bit in riddles, you know, of like, well, there's no way out the master will not approve. Yeah. There is uh, no way yeah. out. The master will not approve. That's what I
0: remember when we, when we watched train master, there was um, two goons that were kind of working together. They were like kind of stupid goons and would repeat things. Everyone said, and we kind of talked about as actors and a writer, how you convey, how you make a character like that, that appeals to the kids, but isn't super grading on the adults and how they walked to that line or whatever this movie did something that I hate in these movies that like are very much seem partially improv on the, at the moment in that they will keep just repeating not the same concept over and over, but just the same words over and over. Cause so in other words, like when they're writing, they're like Torgo is dumb. So he just says these same words over and over and over. And like, it is, and all the characters, like the brides did it too. They would just stand there and just repeat the same words.
1: <laughs> Laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that drove me crazy. What surprised me when I watched that little YouTube documentary thing was that I believe Torgo was intended to be a a fawn, the half goat, okay. you know, and yep. kind of based off uh, the Narnia idea, which... They mentioned Narnia and Fawns in this.
1: They made two Narnia references.
0: (laughs) They did. They made some references that were so weird that it wasn't even like, I get it if they were all Gen X jokes, but they were like, it wasn't Captain and Tennille. There was something like that. And then there was one... How I forget now one like it was a 50s joke and I'm yeah. like what what's yes. happening here
2: you're right and I uh, not well, remember I, what uh, that joke was now bug me too yeah. but I, I totally Nia heard that and I was like or wow, something. wow that <laughs> reference just went over everyone's head yeah
0: it was pretty wild I couldn't quite figure out uh so they get to this house Torgo's there Torgo just keeps repeating but,
2: but wait a oh. minute this, this might be the first movie that I've seen that directly references the room
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They. I. I must have missed it. I must. I must have been swapping out the warm cloth on my head in the bathtub. <laughs> what did I miss it? They they were talking about bad movies. There's a scene, yeah,
2: where they discuss bad movies. That's
0: right. And how sequels of those are always bad. And I was trying to, and I was like, oh, is it going to be one of those movies? And thankfully it wasn't. That was just a quick.
1: I was really hoping uh, there there was a moment where I thought they were going to point the camera at themselves and, and say something like, well, you know, at least none of them had really bad actors. Wink wink. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. But
0: they were yeah, that is good on them that they were able to to rein that in so that it wasn't wasn't too much or too annoying. Um yeah, Torgo just keeps repeating the you can't you can't be here, you can't stay here, the master's coming. The ma Debbie and the Master. Debbie? Debbie Debbie Debbie
2: Ann (laughs) Debbie Ann
0: that that, yes they kept referring to the the master being with Debbie and I could never figure every time I thought the lady I was seeing was Debbie they would both be talking about Debbie as if Debbie wasn't there and so I never understood who was Debbie
1: and and all the brides looked. there there wasn't a distinguishing quality to any of them individually and yeah so i know one of them is the director yeah yeah, yeah. number and three sure
0: but <laughs> i think she was the one in the forest is all i could figure out sure. one of the ladies had blonde hair but she was just always in the background right. too. so so yeah so they all they at first torgo doesn't want them to stay then the car won't start torgo has this there was a couple couple moments in this movie that really got a laugh out of me that I don't think was intended to be a laugh. Torgo has this big staff that is kind of cool. It's it looks as, like it's an old rake, and on the end of it is a a Lotto. hand like cut out of iron and is kind of curled and it's like pretty cool. So he's using that as a walking stick.
2: And you can uh, you, you can buy one from uh, uh, Jackie's Etsy store where she uh, sells. Them. She <laughs> wow,
0: makes- how much is it?
2: Like it's like two hundred
0: and seventy-five dollars or something. Dang! You know what I do want to buy? I want to buy the Biff cane from Back to the Future 2 where it's that fist and he keeps <laughs> knocking people on the head with it. I think uh-huh. he get one of those for forty bucks. I'm like, I might spring okay. me from one of those Biff, one of those <laughs> Biff canes. Um. So Torgo doesn't want to let them inside because the dev, you know the master won't allow it. The matt you can't stay here. You can't stay here. The car doesn't start. They beg Torgo to let them back inside and inside it's one of those things where and they even say it like we shouldn't be well first they start trashing like they're standing Torgo brings them inside and is standing they're standing in a group of five and these horrible monsters who have basically talked them their way in are like this place is trash and disgusting and the people who live here must be animals <laughs> oh, so... and, and i
1: expected torgo to go I, hey, i'm, I, right, I'm right, right here, here. <laughs> <laughs> the master would not approve. It made it, it
2: made me think. Mark of the uh, when we went into the uh, Hot Lake Hotel. And, yes, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's actually where they should have uh, filmed this. <laughs> Hundred
0: percent. <100%. laughs> so uh, yeah, and then we start seeing. We see an older woman with long blonde hair, who I was like, "Is that supposed to be the mom from the first one?" But the mom from the first one looks forty five because she has a beehive and. So they they all always look 65 to me. And so I was like, she doesn't seem old enough, but I guess that makes sense. So it's an old woman in a nightgown who's combing her hair and combing her hair and having a conversation with a man. But then we see that the man is just in her imagination. Then we just kind of see people in the background and like none of the four... Oh, it makes makes sense now. So that blonde woman had...
1: There was one character who... Uh, was her daughter. And that was the lady who was the Debbie. daughter, Debbie, in the, the first time. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just catching on.
0: Well, and they never make it clear. Like, I wanted them right. to at, just once establish the relationships, but we're seeing these people in the house, some of whom don't exist. This one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's Debbie. Okay. That's what I figured out. But I swear once Debbie. she said, when Debbie comes back. And that's when I was like, but I thought you were Debbie. <laughs> so there, there, there are visions, and I wondered if I didn't pay attention closely to the first Manos. But we see people in the house who aren't ghosts necessarily, although there's a ghostly apparition at once. But we understand that they don't exist in the same reality that our that our group of four, or whatever. So we're not quite sure what's going on with them. Are we to believe those were characters from the first movie that died in the first movie? That's kind of the vibe I was getting like they were killed in the house and now they forever no because the idea with no Tor- idea because at, th- at first Torgo Torgo several times dies in this once he is beaten to death by a hammer by all the brides and then he all of a sudden is there the next scene and I was like well am I going crazy but then the lady in the in the movie says how are I, I saw you beaten to death with hammers how are you alive. And the idea is that Torgo through Manos slash a curse of some sort is forever bound to this house and will always keep coming back to life. And so I thought maybe that was the idea with some of the other people that we saw, like there was the, the um, grandma's husband or someone who was like, Oh, is I I'm here to serve you and I just want to make your life better. And, but he was kind of a ghostly apparition too. And I was like, well, maybe the, I don't, I didn't remember the first one if the husband died at the house or what was going on there, but there were a couple of things that I did like though. One of them was, and I can't, I can't find it and I can't remember enough about it now, but it was like they were having some sort of apparition and like the ghosts were kind of walking around in different areas of the house and it was like lit really neat. And so they're like this movie isn't incompetent trash like we'd, exp- like the first one was. But it's still like if it's not trying to ape the same mistakes as the first one, that's when I'm starting to have more questions. So I'm very interested in in some of the other things that. Uh, well, it goes back to made. why was
2: this made? You, you know, uh, you just I think that was the biggest problem with this movie is that it didn't really have a purpose, right? <laughs> like, didn't need a sequel. If you were gonna do it, um, you should really pick a style and. Um, you know, that they, they weren't going full. they weren't recreating the badness, but updating it. it it's just like, I, why are you doing this? It
0: is kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's, it that did. that does tend to be something that is fan directed kind of turns out like this is this is like the the, the force awakens, but on a different <laughs> scale, you know, it tries to recreate the thing that we all loved, but not in the same way, but following the same beats and and doing that. So yeah, it wasn't, I don't know. I just have so many questions now about some of the editing and, and acting acting choices and, and stuff like that there, but there was a part where all of the brides showed up in the woods, um, as, as some of the people were trying to walk away and, like one of them eats a bug and suddenly there's like all these bugs flying around. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, so there was moments in this that I was like, Oh, that's a neat idea. I love the idea of Torgo being in this purgatory existence of never getting anywhere. I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, there wasn't any, any other meat to that. I
2: think. Um, shout out, shout out to the Torgo actor. Um, he did a really good job of, uh, being Torgo and, and yep. embracing the Torgo-ness.
0: <laughs> he did he had large large thighs to step into yeah. and he, he, uh, he, he filled them well, well. <laughs> he filled them well had awkwardly padded pants um, well is there I'm even looking back I'm, I'm having the movie play here kind of in my browser And it just kept coming back to, and especially when things start getting weird, like they find one of their friends passed out because the friend wandered into the room with, with, with the grandma, I think. And then Mano showed up in the painting and kind of hypnotized her. And so she collapsed on the floor. And at some point one of the other friends comes back and like, it's at this point, if you're trying to make a straightforward real thing, like your characters need to start reacting to the environment in ways that make sense, even if it's bad acting. Like when you find your friend passed out on the floor of this house that you've already said is gross and spooky and weird. And you've seen people walking around. You don't just be like, Hey, wake up. <laughs> and like, there's another point where, yeah. where um, like people are being actively attacked and it's like, you know, those fight scenes where there's like a, a group fight scene, like 10 people against one. And the one person's fighting them all off and like all the fighters in the back are just like waiting their turn (laughs) and just sort of standing there. There was a scene where like they, all the people were getting attacked by the whoever. And there's one lady just standing in the back as if she's frozen and just like waiting her turn to (laughs) be like, Oh no, let's get out of here. Like a minute later. Oh, but the, the things that made me laugh. So I got two legitimate laughs. The first one. So Torgo has that big staff and, um, as things are starting to go down, two of our our people open a door and are seeing something horrifying and like are starting to walk in. And from out of frame behind the door, that staff with a hand on it just like slowly goes, goes in front of them. And
1: legitimately scares them as it should. But it was so,
0: it was like a vaudeville cane coming off from the side, from the side. Coming it off, but there was another part too, and I it was toward the end. Um, and oh man, someone else talk here for a bit. I want to find it because I want it was so funny to me. Oh, they also did that um, thing, yeah. Here, yeah. Go ahead, Brian.
2: Oh, I, I was just gonna talk about was, how they uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that's done uh, day for night, uh, quite this bad. Oh, <laughs>
0: I did notice that too and every time they got back to the house it was like broad daylight and then they would cut out to the walking down the blue and it was always perpetually about to get dark even you know the sun oh. is blazing down on them and like it's oh. about to oh. get dark but then that one girl like they said it so much like the third or fourth time that girl was like isn't that 3 or 4 hours from now she was like <laughs> looking around um but at some point debbie comes out and is yelling at the grandma a mirror breaks um, the grandma picks up one of the shards of glass and stabs Debbie in the back. And I thought if you pick up a shard of glass and stab someone with it, like you, all your fingers are gone. You are yeah. just going <laughs> to cut them all off. But they're, uh, so she's going to stab, um, Debbie in the back. Debbie is threatening the guy that's dressed like Indiana Jones for some, oh, Torgo. Sorry. I <laughs> just saw to the side. I'm like, why is <laughs> Indy? So Debbie is threatening Torgo, who's kind of cowering against um, the wall and like a wardrobe against the wall. Grandma goes to stab Debbie in the back. Torgo trying to say, Debbie, like, wait, stop. Don't you understand what's happening or stuff? And it's going on for a good 30 seconds in this corner or whatever. And Torgo says something like, don't you understand? You're making everyone scared. And i like, opens the wardrobe he was standing next to and like there's two people in it just like hey <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> like, it was such a comedy reveal how they were like over here and they open up and they're like <laughs> cowering <laughs> in the closet and then and then that's when they just was, stood there for the next four minutes
2: it was funny because they were h- trying to hide in the closet <laughs> And I think that like Torgo was actively trying to like protect them, but then he's the one that opened the door and is like, in here <laughs> It was
0: so but he's like, Look, everyone's scared <laughs> just opens the door. Uh, let's um, see.
2: So so the reason that we watched this movie uh, Yeah, how I did guess... it come
0: across your transom?
2: Well, it, it, one of the actors I think from Spunks Not Dead had something to do editing or something, some minor connection. But you know that was when I first saw the title, and you know the first thing that caught me was like, oh my gosh, they made a sequel to Manos, and so I clicked on that. And then, uh, filming locations, it was filmed in uh, Oregon, um, not Portland. So we made an exception for this. Just yeah, this is sheer... Fall
0: City, which I'm not quite sure where that is.
2: Um, I looked it up. I think it's west of Salem. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: And and the the rule that we kind of discussed originally is an easy day trip from Portland. Yeah. So if you are flying uh, into Portland and you want to see the sights,
0: you of want to see where they filmed when they still manos
1: <laughs> returns, you could do that
0: yeah so that still counts i thought it was like way in southern oregon or something No, that's not too far away fall yeah fall city oregon but also there was a baltimore crew was listed and i was trying to figure out which which was filmed where uh it was clearly all the outside stuff and the house uh the exterior of their houses was in oregon because it was very much the oregon
1: i wonder i wonder if the the footage of the master i bet uh, the original oh. stuff you know from the family. Yep. Uh, I, 100%. needed to needed to be added
0: credited. Yep, that totally makes sense. Yep, Baltimore. Cruise. Baltimore. Yeah. So it I, I it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how that connection then to Falls City, Oregon, of all places, uh, is to these filmmakers and why they chose there. Maybe it was one of the contributors to Kickstarter the, had access to a property or something like yeah, that. I well, don't know. The property
1: master that was also the, the, <laughs> yes, the catering the, screen, and...
0: the screenplay writer, producer, production designer, location manager, wardrobe manager, prop manager, special effects, makeup, and catering <laughs> when she wasn't doing that. Yeah.
2: And I'm wondering that that's why I was wondering about the director being in Seattle too. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe there's the Northwest connection.
0: Yeah, that could be well. Interesting. We'll have to go down the rabbit hole of um, Tanya Atomic, which is a pretty great name. She should do that. Sounds like a name that should redo Kansas City Bomber.
1: I I was going to say Tanya Atomic, especially T O N J I A. -A, uh, Tanya Atomic should absolutely be a uh, a roller derby. (laughs)
0: Queen of roller derby. Queen of roller derby. So, I mean, I guess I was hoping, I was hoping that there would be something about this movie that was enjoyable. <laughs> Entertaining. It was a chore. It was a chore. <laughs> it was a chore. That excused it chore. <laughs> his existence. It was a little, Just and that's, by... I guess that's what was totally uh, disappointing about it, is that it was, I mean, it's only an hour long, which I commend them for only making something that's an hour instead of trying to stretch something out to an hour 20. Cause even, even this, I mean, this could be chopped down to a half hour at, at best because there is just so like, once they get to the house, like literally nothing happens until the very end. And there is, and every single time, we get a conversation. It's just the same repeated thing over and over. Torgo saying the master won't like it. Everyone else saying, "But please, can't we stay here just for the night because our car's broken?" I mean, that's twenty minutes of this movie is that conversation.
1: And a third of the movie <clears throat> is is just B roll of traveling through fields and and mountains and. Well, that's a, what the. W- and the original movie was the same. way. I was going
0: to say it's the same way. And so like when it started that same way with awkwardly long cuts, I'm like, Oh, this is what they're doing. And that stuck in my head for every time something needed to be trimmed down. If they were doing that on purpose, because that's a perfect way. But like I said, it's the perfect way to hide a lot of the things that you don't know how to do is being like, but we based it on a terrible movie that didn't know what it was doing either. Uh
2: Wow. Cool. One of the things that uh, I noticed was the, um, the sheriff, the son of the original sheriff, um, he, it was very obvious that when he was uh, saying his lines, uh, you know, as the sheriff, he's the one who pulled over the car um, with, with, with the crew in it. And and he's holding a notepad like he's going to write a ticket or something. But it's very clear that he's got sunglasses on and he's just reading his lines <laughs> off of that notepad. Like, <laughs>
0: Which makes it even funnier that it seems like he's forgetting his lines, (laughs) even though he's just reading them. Uh, There's a great shot of Manos at the end where he's doing this psychedelic raising your hands up and down electric company trailing, trailing thing. Uh, But I was trying to figure out who the, so the other ghost slash apparitions in the house Seem to be, there's the husband or whoever of grandma. Then there's like another businessman reading a newspaper. And I thought, well, maybe that was the husband from the first one. He's the guy that's like playing, throwing an imaginary ball against the wall over and over in some scenes. I swear there was another skinnier. Oh, go ahead.
2: Yeah. My theory on all of those people.
1: And we lost him. <laughs> That's amazing. Torgo.
2: Okay.
0: So. I love the little noise. Goodbye. Um, so. Uh, the secret <coughs> of the universe is. is...
1: So, uh, the plot of the movie is detailed in ex- excruci- excruciatingly <laughs> in the Wikipedia page. Have you read the plot? No. Uh, here it goes. Oh. Four friends are lost on a road trip, finding the house of a hidden cult that worships a being named Manos. They are led by the master and his royal servant,
0: Torgo. Torgo. Royal servant. Yeah, that was what Torgo was stuck loyal, in there. Loyal, loyal servant. Loyal, <laughs> the royal The, the royal, royal Torgo. Torgo. Uh, yeah, this, there was the culty scenes too, and that's another time where... When you see people, strange people in a strange house that are smeared with blood, and you're just like, "Huh," <laughs> like that's kind of what this movie felt like. Every time you wanted something to happen, it was just a "Huh," and then nothing happened. It did take Brian, though. Torgo <laughs> took Brian. Or
1: did did Sarah revoke his, <laughs> oh, maybe. his?
0: Oh, oh no! I hear that was a.
1: A message. laptop battery died. Oh Give well, me a couple
0: minutes. <laughs> so so much like this movie being stretched out <laughs> to an hour, we are um, dead in the water. Dead in the water. Um, but even, I don't know, it's... I guess they tried to do um, Birdemic 2 as well. And like, they just... You can't, you can't, I guess they even admitted themselves. You can't bottle that lightning twice, which is sad, but it does. It did look like I'm going to look up because the names were pretty great of uh, the director, uh, uh, Tanya atomic has done ax grinder three dark zone 13 part two. Whose name I have follow up questions about. I thought his name was Blarsh. Things 666, Channel 99, Specimen 6, Angel Food Cake of Doom. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Scarecrow County, Horrors of the PNW 6. Ooh. An anthology about horrors of the Pacific Northwest. That's interesting. Ooh. The the Illuminati. (laughs) I love her forever (laughs) just for that. Mano's hands of fate. Uh so yeah, this is what and these are thing just things that she's been uh an actress in. Haunted House on Sorority Row. So that's pretty great. What else did she direct here? Upcoming projects. Hmm. And welcome to the show, Brian, the
1: <laughs> UniPiper kid. <laughs>
2: Uh, my laptop has lost the ability to uh hold in its charger. So oftentimes it falls out now and I don't realize and then it's too late. It
0: very much was the experience of watching this movie though, how it's just like, I can't even make it in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I was just I was just reading through some of the um the filmography, the other things that Tanya Atomic has uh been involved with. Hey,
2: uh, wait, 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 Todd. We, we we're probably gonna have to clap again because um oh, my yeah, recording yeah. paused, so it's the same file, but the the, it's
0: gonna yep. need to be split okay one so. two three clap you know okay. what let's keep clapping for tanya atomic it's just
2: yeah <laughs> yeah tanya atomic because Man. as i discovered well, why are we
0: clapping for Tanya? Atom- because brian i'm glad you asked that another film that she has directed is called the illuminati <laughs> <gasps> like naughty
2: yes yeah like, like naughty, naughty.
0: Uh, and she's been an actress in a bunch of other movies that have just amazing titles that I was reading through. Uh, It'd
1: be better if it was like Illuminati and Nice. or, <laughs> or Lumin- <laughs> That's the Santa related <laughs> version
0: <laughs> version of that. The Illuminati. Yeah, the Illuminati and the Illum- the Illuminice, I guess. <laughs> the Illuminescent. I don't know. We'll workshop that. We'll get Tanya involved. Anyway, well, what? So. Is this is this movie worth uh, people who are in really into Manos Hands of Fate if they haven't seen this? How would you would you recommend them hunting it down? Because that's the only possible uh, audience that this has.
2: Yeah, I mean, only for the morbidly curious. If you you know really don't care about your Friday night and you just want to drink and get high and maybe, you can almost I don't
0: you can almost watch it at double speed. And it would probably make up for all the awkward pauses and the overall length so maybe that's a good idea
2: i i'm gonna say like no there's no no there's no redeeming value under no yeah i can't think of a situation in which this is going to be worth your time
0: right which is a bummer i was kind of i was very much looking forward uh to to watching this i am way more curious about some of the other things that uh Tanya Atomic has been involved with, so maybe maybe this being the entryway to Tanya will make this all make this all worthwhile. Um, let us go out with whatever music is at the very end. Oh, can we talk about the soundtrack just for a second? Yes, please, please. I'm glad you said that because there there was
1: nothing contiguous about this (laughs) this soundtrack. It, it was like they selected random pieces of music that did not go with whatever you were
2: watching.
0: I have a theory about how they chose that music, and I'm just assuming it's whatever friends they had that were in a band that would let them use their music because they were like full songs and there was no other soundtrack there's not there wasn't a lot of ambient you know scare noises or this noise or that noise it was like deadly science, a silence and then like a folk song and i'm like what <laughs> what's going on
2: so uh yes at $27,000 they did unlock uh the first stretch goal for this film uh which was bringing back the original uh song composer from the music from the original film
0: what what Yes. think movie was made in 1965. I'm surprised these people are still alive. No totally. offense.
1: So, I, I'll just here's the intro area. But okay. let's let's uh, see
0: if I can manipulate this. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> the most exciting thing that's happened all day. Torgo. Torgo.
1: <laughs> and um, let's see, I can't scroll.
0: Torgo. Torgo. They beat Torgo um, to death with a hammer.
1: Um, let's open this up in quick time. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Quick time. And I am really surprised it took this long for someone to do something with the manos property, especially since it's not in or since it's in public domain. That's crazy. Right
1: totally yeah. but let's see if i can find something else that was plain musically
0: and it was never at places that made sense
2: we got to get out of here <laughs> oh i think it was uh right when the title comes on screen there's some wacky psychedelic flute going on <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this is the intro oh. title
0: sequence. Will Ferrell from Anchorman shows up to <laughs> and plays jazz flute with Lizzo, <laughs> and, and hey, this is t- on Thomas Jefferson's flute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the soundtrack was was weird. Yeah, and
0: so I figured, yeah, well, I guess they did. It was it must have been all by the same same people then that's crazy <laughs> anyway.
2: anyway oh i i i did like okay so the one thing i liked was how um when they were talking torgo kept talking about debbie and the master and uh one of the characters thinks that he's like well maybe it's debbie ann comma the master or maybe the master's name is debbie ann that
0: was funny it was that was funny. Yes. This movie. And, and another reason why it wasn't in, as enjoyable is that it isn't the incompetent, like buffoonish mess that uh, uh, this could have been. And not a lot of uh, the movies that we've watched have been. So like taking yeah. even away that element of, of it just kind of makes it boring, I guess. Um,
2: so if I were like producing this uh, and running the Kickstarter, I would have chosen someone who had never directed a film before to make the sequel.
0: Ooh, that's a great and bold idea. Mm. Ooh, I like because yeah. I mean that's, I think the, that's the only, only...
2: way—the mm-hmm. only way to to catch that element that uh, you're otherwise not going to have. A
0: lightning in a jar. Yeah. Ooh, that's an interesting. That would be an interesting concept to try to to do this. Raise that, money to, for a
2: film just to give it to someone who's never made a to movie. To some
0: guy, to see if he can make another cult masterpiece. There's <laughs> actors who have never acted, and a director who's uh-huh, never directed. Uh-huh. You give it to some small oh, community, you... like some small town or whatever, waiting for Guthman style, and what... they yeah. have them.
2: Oh, this is amazing. Wow. <laughs> or, or actually, okay, so here's what you do. Here's what you do. You get a script. And you give it to 12 different small communities like that around the country, and they each make their version of the film.
0: You know, sadly, they have done this before. Do you know who Shane Dawson is? The YouTuber Shane Dawson? The name is familiar. Okay, well, okay. For those of you who know Shane Dawson is, who is a. Hit, hit, the story you would have to tell of him is way too long to tell here, but. Um, he was involved in a reality show like that where they gave the same script to three different people to see. But oh. like they were like upcoming filmmakers or whatever, and to see the different their take, their on, take it. on it, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting because one made like a wacky high school comedy and but the other was a more serious, you know, this. And so huh. but yeah, I think that would be that would be funny for to rally a small town and to make a make a reality TV show out of it. There you go, Hollywood take that you're welcome you're welcome and with that we will see you guys next week thank you for joining us for manos returns and we will return next month with something new goodbye